Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. For the rest of October, we'll refer to our host as Big Daddy Pumpkin Spice Yo. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine, coming to you from the middle of October. Ooh, and fall weather is finally here. I couldn't be happier. All right, on tonight's show, on this week's show, I'm going to sit down and review that, uh, remember that 30-year-old tin of three nuns? Well, I'm going to give it a review, and I'm going to add a little twist onto the end of that review, so listen to that. Uh, my guest tonight is from Canada, and we talked about him a couple weeks ago. It is uh, Nate Rose from the Rose Pipe Company. So we'll have Nate on, and then we'll have uh, music, mailbag, and rant, all that coming up on an October edition of the Pipes Magazine radio show. And a couple of little tidbits of news. One... Uh, next week's show, I'll be pre-recording it later today because uh, Kevin's going on vacation. And while Kevin's away, he doesn't trust me to run the whole thing by myself. So <laughs> I get to do two shows in uh, in two days and then take two weeks off. Uh, during that time, I'll be down in Columbia, South Carolina. Get to see Jody Davis and the Newsboys. And then uh, somebody's got a birthday coming up next week. But, uh, you know, not that important. Um, anyway, uh, I do want to tell you travel wise, remember, email me brian.levine at mei-travel.com. We have some, uh, special rates for Walt Disney World for early next year. We've got some special rates on, uh, Royal Caribbean Cruises. Got a couple other things and those are rates that you can only get through us. And again, when you book with me, it doesn't cost you any more. There's no fee charged by me to uh, for you to get my services. The uh, places that I book you with, they pay me, and you save time and uh, don't waste any money. So, uh, yeah, if you're thinking about a, a vacation, want to escape from the war, uh, from the cold weather later in the uh, in late winter, early spring. Let me know. I can definitely help you out. We'll do it over the phone, over Skype, or however you want to do it. So reach out to me. Let me know. All right, let's get the show rolling. Everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and here we go. There's nothing quite like fishing at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. And welcome back. Uh, Anybody else have to go to the bathroom now after hearing that water? Um, All right, so the three nuns, the the 30-year-old tin of three nuns made in, it was made in Scotland, so we know it's really old. Let me uh, let me start off with reminding you that I am the leading expert on my own opinion, and you are welcome to it, and here it goes. Uh, the closest thing that I could compare 
three nuns to from that age. Again, three nuns back then was primarily coins, a little bit of loose broken parts in it, and obviously a Virginia and Perique and who knows what else was in there. No Latakia, no top note, okay? Round, tall, 100-gram tin, 30 years old. When I opened the tin, the tobacco was absolutely in perfect condition. Moisture level was a little wetter than I like it. Uh, there was There's rust on the lid, rust on the lining, but the tin popped and the tobacco was in perfect shape. I mean, absolutely perfect. So let me let me just say that, you know, a lot of our flake tobaccos and a lot of the tobaccos made in Europe now are that were in square tins are now going to the round tins. Well, I, for one, am happy about that because those round tins stay vacuum sealed a whole lot better and a lot longer, in my opinion, than the square tins do. So. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, and again, the three nuns, when I opened it, pulled out the little plastic cover that was covering the tobacco, opened up the white, uh, the what used to be white, <laughs> uh, paper liner. It was just a an incredible aroma of richness, some sweetness behind it. I didn't detect any kind of fruit flavor to it, but maybe, maybe a little bit of a uh, of a fig or a date flavoring to it. Uh, and then the first bowl out didn't rub out the little discs because they didn't need it. Took them, clumped them, packed them halfway down the bowl. Did the did the three steps to it and lit the bowl. Uh, you know, got it. Did a three-step packing on it, and lit the bowl. And from just that moment, I mean, it was, it was amazing how you know how when you first light the bowl and the tobacco starts to puff up. Well, this didn't puff up. It just stayed right there. It just needed just a little bit of tamping down, but not the normal expansion of what I would see out of my usual day-to-day -day stuff. Um, it did have. Yeah, again, because of the moisture, it did need a little bit more on the relight to get it going and to keep it going. Now, as the tin had been open longer and longer, and again, that tin lasted just about a month, uh, a little bit over a month. I kept it in a Ziploc bag while I wasn't using, you know, while I wasn't smoking it. Uh, but that tin. As the tobacco lost a little bit of moisture, that relight got easier and easier. Now, here's how I want to describe the flavor of it. Uh, if you picture when you, you know how when you smoke a, a blend, a blended tobacco, you pick up a little nuance of this, a little bit of that. You, you know, you, you pick up a little bit of uh, of varied flavors here and there. Uh, it's kind of like sitting down and when you hear the band playing and you can hear the different instruments playing their parts. Well, with this tobacco in particular, the only thing you tasted was this one big mouth-filling flavor that was just perfect. Uh, didn't bite, 
didn't have a bad aftertaste. Uh, in fact, with one guy, I joked. I said, well, after it's done, I want to, after I'm done smoking a bowl of it, I want to tear my tongue out of my mouth and save the aftertaste for later because the aftertaste was as good as the current flavor of it. Uh, will I now? Now, now that I've raved about it, and again, the closest I've come to smoking anything like this is like a 12 or 14-year-old Escudo uh, made in the A&C Peterson factory, so that would have put it in 1999, 2000, 1998, and then again, I smoked it when it was, you know, it had been sitting there for 12, 14 years at that point. Um, Escudo is much more of a, uh, a more flavorful or more uh, a bolder blend, in my opinion, than what this Three Nuns was. Uh, here's the, here's the shocking part of it. Uh, when I saw Steve Fallon, the pipe stud, when I saw him in Kansas city, he looked at it and he said, well, that's a $700 tin of tobacco. Uh, you know, had I not been gifted that tobacco, here's the dilemma that I would have had for $700. If I sold that tin for $700, I could have had a ton of incredible tobaccos instead of that one tin. Uh, you look at a 100-gram tin, average bowl size being about 3 grams, so you're talking about 33 bowlfuls. Well, that was 33 really good bowlfuls, and I was really happy to share it with some people that got a chance to try it with me. Uh, for those 33 bowlfuls at $700 each, you're, <laughs> or $700 for the tin, what are you talking, like uh, 20 bucks each there? Um, I'm not sure of the math right now, but, uh, you know, while I'm mumbling about this other stuff, I will sit here and double check the math on that because, yeah, I would have highly been, I would have honestly been tempted, but, uh, you know, again, because it was a gift, I didn't, yeah, I wasn't tempted at all, but yeah, $21 per bowl full of tobacco. Um, now, if you put that in the same consideration as some really good single malt scotches or cognacs or brandies, really expensive uh, bourbons or stuff that's, you know, you, when you go out to a restaurant, it, it's not hard to find a bourbon or a single malt that you're going to pay $20 a shot for. You know, there's, there's, how it, there's how it equates out. I had the experience. I loved it. Would love to find more. Don't know if I'm going to be willing to pay the $700 for it because, wow, you know. <laughs> but like I said, uh, if you ever get a chance to try it, you like Virginia's, you like Virginia Perique's. It didn't, the Perique was not overwhelming at that point. The Perique was added flavor and just a wonderful experience and one that I will remember for a long time. Uh, really enjoyed it, but at the end of the day, I would have had a little bit of problem with the monetary issues had I... Uh, yeah, had I had to have paid for it. So there you go. 30-year-old three nuns reviewed. No, you can't just go online and find a tin of it and try it. But it was, boy, was it good. All right, in just a minute, Nate Rose. This is Internet Radio. 
Thank you for calling SmokingPipes.com. This is Barry. How can I help you? Meet Barry. He's our homegrown, all-American family guy in customer service here at SmokingPipes.com. With 25 years of experience in sales, his dedication to customer service makes Barry pretty handy around here. He's on the phone all day helping customers like you from all over the globe pick out great pipes and pipe tobacco. Ciao, Barry. Tell me about your selection of a Savinelli autograph. Don't you know I saw that list of tobacco you carry online there. Maybe you could help me pick out a good Virginia, eh? You see, we hire not only the best people, we hire people who are as passionate about our products as you are. Just ask Barry why he loves his job at SmokingPipes.com. Because I don't just help people choose from our great selection of pipes, I smoke them. Call us at 1-888-366-0345 or check us out online at SmokingPipes.com. We are quality, we are experts, we are SmokingPipes.com. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show and joining us via Skype to the country to the north is uh, pipe maker and and now political uh, roustabout, uh, Nate Rose of the Nate Rose Pipe Company. Nate, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. How's it going, Brian? Good. So, all right, let, let's get to know you. So, you're Canadian. So, if I say something that you don't understand because of the language barrier, please let me know. And and then I'll just tell you, sorry, eh? Yeah, I got it, eh? Yeah. Uh, so, where are you from? Where did you grow up? I am from St. Thomas, Ontario. It is about uh, two hours uh, east of Michigan and about uh, two hours west of... Uh, Buffalo. So you go, I'm just about 20 minutes from London, Ontario, if you know where that is. Yep. Yep. Which is about two hours from Toronto. So, so you're kind of in the, uh, you're in the part of, in the part of Canada that some, uh, residents of the United States can drive South to get to. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. All right. So, uh, what, uh, did you play hockey growing up? No, actually I didn't. I was, uh, I was actually a ten-pin bowler for eighteen years, and that was my uh, that and baseball. I never played uh, hockey or football or. Wow! So you so you're kind of a Canadian anomaly in the first place. Yeah, I was born in Bowling Alley. That's what my parents like to say. <laughs> uh, so when did when did pipe smoking come into your life? I think everybody has a. A grandfather or a dad or an uncle that smoked a pipe and I was always told I never got to see it but I was always told my grandfather had was a pipe smoker and was had quite the collection and uh, over the years of me jumping into the hobby talked to him more and more and learned that he really did have a pipe in his mouth for probably about 50 years and uh, yes yeah, so that was probably my first introduction into it and and then uh, throughout high school my Friends and I would always, uh, whenever our parents would go away for the weekends, we would uh, go to the local convenience store and buy a couple packs of, uh, they were called Primetime cigar, uh, cigar, uh, Cigars, sorry, and yeah. they were great flavored. And we would get like two or three packs each and smoke them all the way through. That was typically how I first got introduced to smoking was um, to your fl- flavored cigars. And... Uh, Indulged a little bit more as I got older into like Cubans and uh, uh, different cigars. And then one day was going to go uh, golfing with my uh, brother-in-law and my brother. And my brother and I went to the local tobacconist and we were just going to get two, uh, two cigars. And I 
when you walk into the tobacconist, there's a big wall of pipes. And I was always, always just loved the look of them, thought they were just so interesting. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to grab the cheapest pipe in the wall and I'm going to grab just a nice little two ounce thing of tobacco and just kind of be funny about it. And I grabbed uh, Missouri corn cob and I grabbed uh, um, Royal Viking aromatic, which I didn't know. And I grabbed it and went golfing and just put a, I didn't know how to pack a pipe. So I burnt my tongue, <laughs> but I remember, I remember we, uh, my brother was in the cart with me. We we're pulling up to the green and I, uh, pulled out the cob and my brother-in-law was like, what are you doing? And he just was like, well, I thought I'd be funny and try pipe. And one absolutely roasted my mouth. And then two, the flavor was just so different than a standard cigar. Like you could really taste everything coming through. And that kind of started it. And then I, uh, was talking to a guy at work that, was a cigar enthusiast like I was and uh, was telling him like I tried a pipe and he was like oh like I have a bunch of pipes do you would you want one like I don't smoke anymore some of them were my dad's I'm like okay and he just gave me a nice uh, full bent and oh, wow. uh, just a nice sandblasted nothing and uh, I was like okay you know, appreciate it and then started trying it and really got into it went back went back and bought more of the, the same blend the Viking aromatic and then I came home and really enjoyed it and wanted to get an icer pipe and started looking into how much they were. And I was like, holy cow. <laughs> the pipes I was looking up were like, were the Petersons, of course. Um, I just couldn't believe that a pipe could be $150, $200, which now I know that's not tons of money for a pipe. And uh, I was like, how hard can it be? <laughs> so I, I went in the basement and just, you know, I know the rumors through talking to different people through social media that if you can somewhat make a pipe out of a two by four, then um, you've got a pretty good head on your shoulders. So I went downstairs and just took a normal two by four and cut off, uh, I don't know, about three inch by four inch chunk and with different sandpapers and files just started playing with it and everything. And I got in contact with um, a guy who's really become a good buddy of mine now, uh, um, Ryan Brigham in uh out of virginia i contacted him through instagram and asked him tons of questions and tons of questions and he was never afraid to you know hold back would tell me everything and uh got a little better at it got some more wood got some tools and started handing out my pipes and then my wife um eventually found out what i had been doing in the shop she was like what are you doing i'm <laughs> spending so much time do you have a girlfriend out there <laughs> <laughs> no, at, at the time she was uh, um, my fiance, <laughs> and uh, she came down and said, you know, like, look what you're making. Like, you could really, you know, maybe make a run. Like, she just she didn't know what the market was for it, and I really didn't either. I just had seen that they were out of my price range, and uh, she's like, I think you should really try. So then we kind of went full force with it. Really went all out and started a little bit of the social media stuff. Didn't really go as far into as we are now with all the marketing we do for it. And yeah, selling the first pipe was just absolutely insane. I sold it to a friend. It was still really, um, really cool to sell a pipe for some some cash, which was nice. And that was about you know four years ago. So when this whole thing started, had you had any woodworking experience before that, or did you just have wood laying around in a workshop ready to go? I uh, I took uh, I took automotive and wood shop and machine shop and draft class in high school. I always excelled in with working with my hands. I never was a book guy. I um, 
surprisingly, my my big thing was uh, machine shop with a lathe. That was I was going to maybe make you know a career out of doing that or something automotive. Wood shop was okay. It wasn't ever my big thing, but um, I always ever since I was a kid, I remember when I got to I don't know. 12 or 13 years old, I'd ask my dad, like, do you mind if I go in the backyard and take your, you know, your drill and just start putting things together, take apart my skateboard and, you know, put them on a board and would make little carts out of them and stuff like that. So definitely I think I always had a, a thing for making things with my hands. So it, it, so it just came natural to you to say, all right, you know, I'm going to try to figure this out and there you go and of course you know you're lucky enough to have youtube and other ways to communicate with people that you really didn't have to go somewhere and spend time in somebody else's workshop and you know sweep up the dust for them yeah and that's the thing there's just not there's not many uh people in canada from my knowledge that make pipes from what i've seen I've, i only know of a few of us um i noticed most of the communities in the states and yeah, like for the most part, I didn't even really watch that much YouTube till probably about a year ago because Ryan out of Virginia, I would just message him and we would text and I talked to a couple other guys in the pipe community that would uh, lend a hand and explain things. But yeah, I definitely, um, I'm the type of person that when I get into something, I dive head first and go until I can't go anymore. So for me, pipes were the fun challenge of there's always a different shape. There's always a different um, skill you have to learn there's tools you have to make you can't go buy them and for me a lot of the stuff i have to have to make them i have to order them out of the states and it just it's not worth to buy them i would much rather just try my hand at making it and if it goes wrong then i'll you know i'll, I'll spend the money yeah yeah and and i guess with you know with canada with you guys with not a big population of smokers in the first place and a big population of people you know you're kind of on an island out there on your own and figuring it out and is probably the best option yeah and that's the thing is it's it's surprising how uh even in where i live in st thomas it's not a very big town as i don't even know how many people are here off the top of my head but i don't you know i, I don't I think i've seen a pipe smoker two or three times you know in 10 years like it's just not a thing where we are and same in london and um, Toronto, it's not as big, so you definitely get the people when you're out wearing your your stuff or I'm smoking a pipe. Someone will come up and they'll right away say, you know, my dad or my husband or you know whatever, <laughs> you know, used to smoke a pipe and just love the smell. I've had people come up and say that, like, I just whatever you're smoking, I love it. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so, what is a traditional Canadian tobacconist like? Is it yeah, primarily cigars and then a little bit of pipe tobacco. Yeah, so the uh, the tobacconist in London that I go to um, is there's there's two places I go to in my area. There's a there's a little convenience store like Kitty Corner to my house in St Thomas, and he has uh, um, just like a I don't know probably like twenty five or you know thirty sticks of cigars and humidor. That's about it. He's got uh, he's got corn cobs, but that's about it. And then the uh, shop in London though you go to it's um, it's a, it's pretty big in my opinion. Um, it has um, on one side of the wall, which is about you know 30 feet, it's all Cubans, and then the back room is uh, uh, different cigars like Dominicans and, and such. And on the outside, they only they have um, they carry Sevenelli, Peterson, um, I think three or four other brands, but like it's not too big, and they have quite a few um, tobaccos. Like you can order in what you want, which is kind of nice. 
So it is, it is, you know, they're, they're small and they do the best they can to, to cater to whatever the customer wants, but I think so. Like I haven't, I haven't really looked at any, um, tobacconists in, in the States to compare, but from what I've seen, um, it's relatively large. Like there is, well, yeah, there's that one. And there's one more, um, just a couple streets over in London as well. And it's a little bit bigger, but it, they definitely pertain more to cigars. They're not as big on the pipe community. So the one across the street that I don't go to, it has like a little, um, it looks like like a showcase of like 15 pipes. That's it. And like four bags of tobacco. So I definitely would rather go to um, the one that carries my work. All right, just for fun, and before we go to the break, what is a 50-gram pouch of tobacco going to cost you? Um, the About 34 to $40. The 34 to 40 Canadian, so that at the current exchange rate, we're talking 25 to 30 U.S. dollars for a 50-gram pouch. Yeah, my uh, I actually had a, um, where I work, I had a coworker that just went to Ireland, and she came back, and I convinced her to go to a, um, Peterson and she yeah. uh, went there and she was like what do you want and I said grab me like a tin tobacco I don't care what brand it is <laughs> and uh, she brought me back a, a tin of uh, Peterson uh, connoisseur's choice and I got she brought me back the receipt and it was like $23 and I was like what in the <laughs> like, no way yeah. I'm sitting here looking at a tin of Peterson Irish mixture that my daughter bought for me at the uh, Peterson shop in Dublin, and it was like 22 euros because my daughter was nice enough to use my credit card to pay for it, so I saw the charges. <laughs> it's all right. But it's a tin of Peterson tobacco actually from Ireland. So uh, we'll take a break right here. When we, when we come back, we'll talk to Nate about uh, some – some of the Canadian laws, and then we'll get back into pipe smoking and pipe making and all that fun stuff. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. Italians have always been known for their aesthetic passion. It's their birthright, their legacy. And just like Savinelli, it continues to grow and evolve. It is ever-changing. Milan, 1876. Achilles Savinelli set out to change the way the world viewed smoking pipes, opening one of the world's first specialist tobacco shops. From one small storefront to a factory that delivered handmade pipes all over the world, the legacy he forged became one filled with success and prestige. Achilles' dream is carried on today by his family, who continues the Savinelli legacy. Each year, Savinelli debuts a series of new, forward-thinking designs comprised of quality-crafted pipes shaped from some of the best briar in the world. Behind every beautiful object, there's a story. Start your own chapter. Visit your local tobacconist or premium online dealer today. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, visiting with uh, Nate Rose of Canada. Are, are, are you related to Celine Dion? No, not at all. I thought you all were. No. Nope. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, would you like to have her back? Uh, she's, she's living in Las Vegas and annoying people for large amounts of money. Oh, boy. Yeah. All right, so, Nate, a couple weeks ago I mentioned a bill or a law or whatever you guys call it up there in Canada that's affecting the uh, affecting the pipe tobacco market. You want to 
You want to give us a little bit more info on what's going on up there? And, and, and the reason I mention this is because usually what happens in Canada ends up happening down here in five years or so. So it's, uh, it's uh, a, a little bit of an eye opener of what may be coming up. Yeah, so basically what's happening is the, uh, the Canadian government's looking to pass Bill S-5, which will um, make, I think it's called plain packaging happening, and it's going to basically make the pipe tobacco uh, community and some of the cigars as well have to change their plain packaging, and will more or less, from what I've understood from just talking to the different tobaccoists, um, is that it's just going to kind of make the tobaccos just leave. Because it's not worth it financially to change it. It's going to raise the price on some tobaccos as well, which ultimately will will make them leave. Because again, it's no one's going to buy the tobacco. It's just not worth it, and will limit the amount of tobacco that's here. And if it gets to the point, um, if they pass this, then most likely, from what I've understood, it'll make what happened in Australia, which will readily eliminate the industry in Canada. And you already have some fairly heavy restrictions on flavors, correct? Yeah, yeah, they've already eliminated, um, like I said, uh, you know, the grape and cherries and vanilla flavored uh, cigarellos and all that. And from what I understand, I actually noticed on the bill, I was reading a bit up on it to make sure I was prepared. I noticed that it's also going after the uh, vape community because they have all those wonderful flavors. And it's going to eliminate all those flavors as well, which at the end of the day, we're worried about the pipe tobacco, obviously, and uh, we just don't want to. I don't. I don't personally want it to get to the point that Australia is at, because then you're going to lose some um, tobaccoists. Like I talked with the tobaccoists in London, they said they can handle the first one, but if the, if the second wave came, which is what Australia has implemented, then you're going to lose a lot of mom and pop shops, um, uh, brick and mortar shops, and just bigger chains of cigars and pipe tobacco. Yeah, and Canada's not like the U.S. You you can't buy tobacco through the mail there, can you? Uh, I I I bought a bag of tobacco once, <laughs> yeah. but uh, yeah, from what I've understood, that's the other thing. I was talking with the gentleman who runs the tobacco west of London, and he was saying that the borders start they're catching about eighty percent of the tobaccos that come through. So it means you want to be able to order it through um, uh, pipesmoking.com, smokingpipe.com. Sorry. Yeah, so you know they're starting to crack down on that, and then the and then internally in Canada, you know you've got to walk into a tobacco shop in order to make a purchase. You can't you, you can't even call somebody in Toronto and say, hey, you, should, you know, post it to me or or whatever you guys call it up there. Yeah, yeah, and mail it to me. Same thing. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that's the thing. Like even uh, even me, I've mailed a few uh, I've mailed a few pipes to the states before. I've had uh, people contact me and. Every time I go to mail it, the individual who's working obviously will, you know, what what do you mail? And I'm like a tobacco pipe. And they're like, is there any tobacco in it? And I'm like, no, it's just a pipe. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Sorry, it's empty. Uh, <laughs> no, I didn't fill this one. <laughs> yeah, so I, so I guess besides, if you're if you're Canadian and listening, besides reaching out to your member of parliament, uh, yeah. I mean, that's really the only thing that you can do now is just say, hey, leave us alone. <clears throat> yeah, basically, I, I from what I understood, I was a little behind the ball on getting on top of it. Once the Barracoa in London, the tobaccoist that contacted me, um, put me in touch with <clears throat> the people that run uh, BetterCigarPlan.ca, and they've been on top for about a month now. But from what I understand, I went to Barracoa last week and talked with them, and they had said that it's already somewhat all been implemented, but now it's just if um, we can change it because 
if I think, I don't know, they're looking, basically if you just write your MP, I think if they have enough individuals that step up, then they can push it back and just, you know, put it away for now, worry about it later. Yeah. <clears throat> well, 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 we'll give it a shot. In in the meantime, let's talk about your pipes because you, you're four years into it now and uh, making pipes. Is there a is there a shape that you really enjoy making more than others? Um, I definitely uh, early on took to the poker shape. It was really, um, I think, taking a front on the pipe community, and that was the first pipe I attempted to make was a poker. Um, I really like the billiard though, just the traditional shape. Um, there's just something so simple about it, but it's just so difficult to make. Like if it doesn't look yeah. symmetrical between um, the bowl and the shank, it just the whole like I've just made pipes and just couldn't. I uh, even my wife, I'll show her be like like look at this one that's going out, and she'll even say it just looks a little off, and I'll be like, well, what is it? And you know, it just the diameter sometimes and uh, how much uh, height is on the bowl versus the shank. It's just something about the billiard to me. Just, I just like it. Do you, I, I'm, I'm noticing on some of your, uh, some of your photos on Instagram and on Facebook, uh, you've got some pretty cool rustication techniques. Do you like doing that? <clears throat> yeah, I actually just got into rusticating about six months ago. I, uh, for the most part was just doing uh, just straight, smooth and just show the grain of the wood um and then i uh after sanding for so long i just started noticing people and talking with a couple pipe makers and just was thinking about getting into either sandblasting or rustication and i uh was like well i'll take my i'll, I'll take a look and see what i can figure out and i found some stuff on youtube and different uh techniques and such and just kind of took a couple of my own pipes that i had already made and was just oh, i'll just you know play around and if i'm gonna Screw up a pipe, I'll screw up one of my own that I keep from my own collection for smoking. <laughs> yeah, so I, I don't think we've talked much about rusticating, but is that is that like something that you're doing with a special tool or is it a Dremel tool? And, and yeah, know. so what I found was um, I personally use a Dremel and I use a particular bit that you have to go get. And uh, I know some people, though, that there's a couple techniques I can't do yet and I really want to get into it. Some people just use a, um, oh, what they're called. Oh boy, I'm going blank. I'd use a router or a big old, uh, a bunch of big old angry uh, uh, termites. Yeah, that would do it. <laughs> Give you an interesting shape, that's for sure. <clears throat> but yeah, I definitely came around to really appreciating the rustication, looking at different pipe makers, just the technique that's involved. Like you don't realize how difficult it is just to do a quarter of the pipe until you've done it, and it's it's a lot of work. <clears throat> when you're doing it and you like there's one on your facebook page that's got a it's fair it's a fairly diagonal pattern are you masking off the uh the smooth part or are you just kind of free flowing with it i've done i normally just free flow it but i have also you know sat there with a pencil and lightly you know drawn through what i don't want to touch or what i want to touch and if there's um just a piece of the wood, like an imperfection I don't personally like. Um, I will sometimes just rusticate it just to – it doesn't need to be there. Excuse me. And, and then you can start screwing around with uh, rusticating shapes and other little designs into it and start playing yeah. with it even more. Yeah, there's some uh, wicked things people are – pipe makers are doing in particular in the States. 
that I just see and I'm just like, how are they doing that? And I'll ask and be like, I'll do it with the Dremel. And that's as far as it gets. I'm like, oh, I got to do some more research. <laughs> <laughs> go downstairs, get that two by four and start working on that again. Yeah, pretty much just go back to what I know. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I'll, I'll tell you two of my favorite old classic, uh, old classic Costellos are sea rocks and those are 100% rusticated and you know, a rusticated pipe will breathe just as well as a, as a sandblast and, and then you can kind of control where you're doing the carving. Yeah. Like I'm, uh, I, I, I was so naive to when I got into it, just looking at pipes and was like, Oh, it must just all be sandblast. I had no idea. And then I don't know, probably a year or two ago, I, uh, wanted like i said i wanted to kind of start looking into it wasn't ready to start till about six months ago but i want to look into it. I was like people are doing this by hand like the detail work and sitting there and making sure you don't ruin the pipe <clears throat> like i'm i'm sitting here right now smoking my uh my poker that i made for myself and uh, it's a pipe that i've gone back two or three times and right back to the drawing board i'm going to try to you know start practicing on my own work and I think it's on there, but uh, <clears throat> turned out pretty well. I get a lot of confidence on my rustication and everything. So, but definitely more to more to learn. Now, is pipe making your full time gig, or do you have something that's actually paying the bills right now? I wish it was. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I actually work um, I work for GM in Ingersoll. I'm an uh -huh. auto worker. So, uh, wait, is that where the uh, is that where the Camaros went? No, that's in Oshawa. I make okay. the Equinox. Okay. Yep. So the the little Chevy and the little Buick. No, we just well right now we're just doing the Chevy. Uh, we don't currently. Uh, I don't know who does the Buick, but we don't. We uh, we just do the Chevy. We used to do the Terrain, but uh, I know that went to Mexico, so we have the Chevy. And then we could talk about the politics of the current trade agreements, but we won't get into that because that's no fun at all. Not at all. <laughs> uh, is there a pipe shape that is giving you fits and problems and you're still trying to figure out how to do it right besides the billiard? I'm, uh, I'm always interested in, I want to try a bulldog. I've always, that's the one pipe whenever I see it and it's in a state, I, I will pick it up and clean it up and, keep it or I flip it one two and I'm always just looking at it like I don't know if I want to try to tame this pipe shape <laughs> it's just such an intimidating shape it just between the way the bull shape is with the shank and then you got the diamond coming off it but <clears throat> yeah so you gotta it, it, it's a bit of a beast but uh, uh how many uh how many pipes a year is kind of your goal right now uh I'm I'm pumping out at probably about 25 a year right now. I'm, I've picked up a lot in the past uh, six months to a year. Ever since I kind of got more into um, the rustication of a pipe, I've definitely uh, turned up a little bit, which is good. As, as many people come to me, I'll make them, but I'm averaging probably about 25 right now. And when is, when is uh, pipe smoking time for you? Is it something that you do after work or in, in the morning? Do you, do you, I'm, I'm guessing you don't get to smoke a pipe while you're at work. Oh, no, I wish. That was the back-in-the-day stuff. Yeah. <laughs> work with guys who say that they used to just take an old uh, a rim and they would just flip it upside down, put it on a 4x4, four four, and would just sit there and people would be smoking cigarettes and cigars and pipes and would ash out it and reload it go. <laughs> Mind-blowing. <laughs> yeah, so now it's you get to come home after work and and then sit down with your pipe. I, uh, I, I honestly 
um, smoke my pipe probably once a week if I'm uh, lucky. It's definitely not the full-time thing for me. I'm definitely more of a pipe maker than a pipe smoker. I uh, will typically, um, my brother works with me, so what we'll do is on Fridays we'll typically uh, smoke a cigar or a pipe on a Friday on the way into work. And then if I uh, if I get time to sit down on a weekend, I will sit down and smoke a bowl and just relax and listen to some music or read a book or just sit and talk to my wife. Does your taste in pipe tobacco change with the seasons? Um, yeah, definitely. I, I, I definitely, uh, I find coming in the winter, that's, that's the other thing too. If it's winter time, I typically won't even smoke at all because I'm just, I'm, I don't need it. I, uh, I'm not going to go stand outside for 45 minutes and I'm definitely not allowed to smoke in the house. <laughs> but, uh, um, I don't think I know enough about my palate yet. I definitely bounce around between, uh, I'm actually smoking a lot of Virginia right now. Um, but I definitely smoke my fair share of aromatic just because I will smoke at a campfire or around people and I want it to be pleasant for them. Yeah. I, I don't want it to be pleasant for them. I want them to go away from me. But it's funny. No, it seems to be no matter what I smoke for the most part, um, I'll get a compliment. Someone will make a comment on it or, just like to watch or something <laughs> yeah or in my, in my case recently in oregon people are asking me what's really in that pipe um yeah it's uh it's pretty funny we i did a um in st thomas there's a uh you know railway capital of canada there's a um a railway museum that used was where the hub for the trains was and they did a uh a night market they called it um probably three or four months ago and i um i did it my wife and i went out and i went there with about six or seven pipes and just was i didn't think i'd sell a single pipe and uh <clears throat> i um was busy talking to somebody and an individual came over probably i don't know in his 50s came over and was talking to my wife and had asked you know what do you what do you put in the pipe and my wife just so calmly looked over and said i don't care what you smoke out of the pipe <laughs> it's like you put whatever you want in it. Just buy it. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Just support local. <laughs> uh, where can we go to see your pipes and uh, see what you're doing and to get a hold of you? Uh, definitely Instagram. Um, I put pretty much almost everything on Instagram, whether it's just me working or pipe finished or if I'm just taking a picture of me smoking a pipe and drinking a coffee. I'm a little bit on Facebook. I don't do too much on Facebook. Um, it's kind of one of those things I forget to do. So I would definitely recommend Instagram. And is it Nate Rose? Is it Rose Pipes Co? Yeah, Rose Pipes Co. <laughs> so it'd be Rose Pipes Co. Co. Oh no, that's .ca for Canada. Sorry. It's <laughs> because I. Uh... <laughs> I tried. I tried. Uh, Nate, we will wrap this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer. No wrong answers. Whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Yep. What is your favorite pipe? Mm, whatever pipe I'm smoking. Uh, oh, that's the lazy answer. I know. Um, <laughs> lately, I really like um, having a state um, Peterson uh, Dunmore. I'm really uh, enjoying that pipe currently. But, of course, I like my own work, but that's not a fair answer, so I'll, I'll say Peterson. And what is your favorite tobacco? Lately, I've been um, smoking a lot of uh, Cornell and Deal uh, Cherry Jubilee. 
And what is your favorite drink? Hmm. I'm going to have to go with uh, a nice black coffee. Don't tell me. Tim Hortons. <laughs> no, I, t I actually do. Um, I French press my coffee. Oh, well, aren't we fancy? Um, enough. <laughs> when I have time. Uh, when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Mm. Well, with working uh, with my job, I, I, I do swing shifts, so two weeks afternoons, two weeks days. So I'm going to have to go with probably uh, a movie so I can sit down with my wife because I'm going to see her very much on the other two weeks. <laughs> that'll, that'll keep the relationship longer. <laughs> yeah, they say time apart. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and finally, do you have a favorite pipe smoking related memory that we haven't talked about? Yeah, actually, I uh, I was uh, I was at my in laws one day. This was before I got married, and I think I I believe we were engaged, and we were upstairs um, with her parents, just shooting the shit at the table and talking. And um, her dad has uh, yeah, her dad has his father's five pipes there that he smoked routinely and uh he we were talking and they said you can light your pipe at the table if you want and just you know we can just talk we're having beer whatever and i was like okay like whatever and so i'm smoking my pipe and her dad randomly got up and you know went to his bedroom came back out and said here i want you to have this and it was uh i can't remember the name of the tobacco but it was a bag of tobacco it was um probably one of his last father's bags of tobacco that he had kept and uh he's like open it and so I opened it up and there was some, looked like dry wood chips. Like the thing was, you know, 30 years old. And, uh, but inside was a little small, um, little small billiard. Um, what was the brand? Uh, I don't know. I'll send you a picture of it, but it was like three inches, three inches long by one inch tall, just a nice little workman's pipe. And, uh, yeah, he, he let me have the pipe and, you know, said, you know, give it a try. And it had, um, had some hockey tape around Canadian enough for you. It had <laughs> hockey tape around the mouthpiece, keeping it to the shank. And I was like, well, what is this? And he goes, I want you to have it. And I know my dad loved that pipe because he took the time to tape it. And my dad wasn't the type to do that. So that's, that's a pipe I have in my estate and it's a pretty big deal pipe for me. The only thing that would have been better is if the tobacco tastes like maple syrup. <laughs> yeah. Maple syrup and bourbon. Yeah. <laughs> bourbon bacon. Well, you, you Canadians are awfully friendly because you got people giving you pipes all the time and, uh, and and you tolerate us down here ruling the continent. So we we appreciate that. Yeah, well, you guys are pretty good. Definitely the pipe community is uh, pretty awesome and seeing how generous and uh, giving the community is. I, you know, I like I said, I got into this and contacted a couple pipe guys and one of the guys out in Virginia, again, Ryan uh, Brannigan, he sent me uh, um, probably six or seven um, stems that were partly finished. And I, uh, I said, well, how much do you want for them? He said, you can just keep them. I'm like, okay. And he sent me a letter with it and said, you know, Merry Christmas. And all I ask is that if someone comes to you one day and wants to learn about the pipe community, that you'll do for them what I did for you. So that was my, uh, that was probably the first impactful thing I ever had with the States in particular like directly with somebody and he's become a really good buddy of mine. His work is unbelievable. It, it, it is. A, it's a, it's a good, it's a really good bunch of people and we're, uh, and we're glad to have you as part of it, even though you're in Canada. Now you got to have one in the Canada, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know what, eh? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. You have to have one that tells us what it's all about. Yeah. Well, y'all have a good day. 
<laughs> well, Nate, well, thank you, Goodly, for joining us down here and uh, check out all of uh, check out all the Rose Pipe Co. stuff, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing more from you. I really appreciate it, Brian. And we'll be back in just a minute. The Carolinas and the tobacco tradition have been woven together generation after generation. From the Blue Ridge Mountains to the coastal low country, it's an integral part of our culture and heritage, building our beautiful tapestry. Cornell and Deal is proud to blend our pipe tobaccos in the Carolinas. Our history with tobacco dates back to the mid-1800s, and in that time we've perfected a variety of blends. The Carolinas have given us the perfect backdrop to do just that. Whether you're a fan of the rich Virginias, bold Latakias, spicy Periques, or unique aromatics, we've got a tobacco that's just right for your discerning taste buds. At Cornell and Deal, we live all things pipe tobacco, blending it, smoking it, and enjoying the company of those who share our excitement. Tobacco, it's what we do. Stop by CornellAndDeal.com. This is Internet Radio. And I am back, and I want to apologize for that sound file because uh, that's uh, something happened in the editing when I merged my track with uh, Nate's and uh, got a weird echo on my part. But, hey, at least we got to we get to hear the guy from Canada clearly and the guy sitting right here behind the microphone. Well, that was a little weird, but who knows? I think I may have a... Uh, I may have a bug in the software somewhere that I've got to look at, but <laughs> funny thing is they're just talking about how good the show sounds lately. All right, well, for music, we're going to go to Harry Belafonte, and this is, I I don't know how to explain this, except it's Harry Belafonte singing about uh, singing about the, the phrase Mark Twain, and, uh, of course, Harry Belafonte smoked a pipe when he was younger, and Mark Twain, the writer, smoked a pipe, so... This is a uh, deviation from normal music that we would have, but I think it's fun and entertaining all at the same time. So here you go. Many years ago on the Mississippi River boats, they had men called gaugers. And the job of a gauger was to hang off the side of the boat with one hand, and in the other hand he had a ball of twine with a hunk of lead on the end of it. Wheel the lead around his head and let it fly into the water. Wherever the water marked the twine, he'd call up to the skipper and say, Barking on the twine is four fathoms. Of course, day in and day out, year after year, this would get pretty monotonous. Until in the 1800s, a little man came along and revolutionized the whole gauging industry. Instead of saying marking on the twine, he cut it short and said, Mark Twain. And in between each marking, he'd fill it in with a little patter about himself and his everyday life. Well, if you'd been living at that time, coming up from a distance on the Mississippi would have sounded like this. Starboard bow. 
I got a gal named Cindy Lou. <laughs> Feeds me gin and baked beans too. <laughs> Mark Twain. Mark Twain. Three fathoms off the starboard bow. I got a friend, his name is Pete Sings dirty songs down on Beale Street <laughs> Mark Twain Mark Twain Two the starboard bound I've been working the river since 92 <laughs> I get a penny a day and bad liquor too <laughs> Mark Twain I'm gonna save my money till I die Hey, gonna bury me all but my good right eye <laughs> Mark Twain Mark Twain No fathoms of the starboard bow Look out, skipper, pull it to the side You gon' bust your bow and split your hide Ooh, great God, we done run aground Skipper gon' chase me with a big bloodhound as I told you, it's a little different, a little entertaining, educational, and uh, boy, Harry can sing. What's this? A letter for me. In the mailbag, and remember, if you have a comment or question, you can go to pipesmagazine.com, post them on the Pipes Magazine radio show page on pipesmagazine.com. Uh, makes it easier for me to find. Or you can email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com, and uh, I'll answer them there. Uh, in fact, I've got a uh, great question about uh, quick pipe smoke. Uh, quick, quick smokes with a pipe and uh, while, while a friend has a cigarette coming up for next week. So we're going to save that for next week. Uh, going back to last week with, uh, with the first of what should be three installments with Sykes. Uh, Mother Nature writes, I can't believe that Sykes was 21 years old hanging out with Japanese masters because of an acquaintance that knew a Saudi diplomat. Uh, incredible story. Then on top of it all, it was Suge who gave him a chance, which gave the others the courage to do the same. I think this is something like he said is how it all started. Uh, incredible. I'm just glad it happened because uh, smokingpipes.com is my primary go-to for pipes and tobacco. Thanks, Sykes. Um, yeah, that's kind of one of those stories, you know, about, uh, you know, three guys walk into a bar. Well, no, now you've got, uh, you know, Sykes with a Saudi diplomat in Japan. Um, and then, uh, there was a comment about clash of the Titans. Uh, we did not clash at all. We hung out and had a good time. And then, uh, writing Rav writes a very nice show. I look forward to hearing a little more about the history and growth of smoking pipes in La Dici. 
As I sat down to listen to the show this morning, I happened to be smoking my Peter Heeshan blowfish and was pleased that the first story was about Peter. The music was beautiful. Thanks for addressing my water cleaning question. I think I'll go back to alcohol just in case. I'm almost caught up on all the shows. Couldn't you go to twice a week? (laughs) Just kidding, best Ira. (laughs) Yeah, I think twice a week would kill people. Uh, And remember, if you are catching up on shows, I highly advise you do not listen to more than three shows in a day or operate heavy machinery while doing that. Uh, And the entire uh, library of shows is there. If you're new to the show, I'll warn you again. Shows number one through 20, we were just kind of getting our groove on. Uh, Voorhees writes, great idea on your ventilation issues and solution. I enjoyed the interview with Sykes and the music choice was very nice. Cheers, Brian. Best regards, Jason. Uh, Jason, thanks. Yeah, more of Sykes coming up. And if you go to uh, Facebook and go to my Facebook page, uh, you'll see uh, two nights ago, I did a Facebook live video that showed my ventilation system and showed it working. So you can go on there. I'll leave that video up for a while so that everybody can go see it. Just if you're not a friend of mine on Facebook, send me a friend request. You'll be able to go down there and see that. Uh, Crash the Gray says, fantastic show. I really enjoyed the beginning of the new story time. It has been fun following your ventilation adventure. It seems like you're always adding something. (laughs) Yeah, I, I like to tinker with stuff. Uh, then he says, I have to ask a random question. Are you ever going to update the commercials? I know they aren't the main part of the show, but we are still hearing about a line of pipes released in 2015 and it amuses me every time. Uh, I still don't want that water cleaning, although it seems to be a staple conversation every day on the forum now. Yeah, I, uh, as far as the commercials go, I have no sway over that, but, uh, duly noted and it's been mentioned before. Uh, as far as the water cleaning, everybody that I've talked to has said, oh no, no, just stay away. Um, unless you've got a Falcon or a Kirsten or something like that. And then finally, Down Home Smoker says, my anticipation for this episode was not a disappointment. Love the content. What can I say? I'm a sucker for a good story. Truly enjoyed the music on this episode. Can't wait for the next segment. Pleasant smokes. Uh, Glad, yeah, a lot of lot of comments on the music this week, so that that's nice to hear. I I enjoyed that Butterworth piece, and I talked to Dan, to Dan Lockler recently about it again, and yeah, just a just a, an unsung uh, composer that life ended too soon, and uh, more of Sykes coming up next week, so you'll have that to listen to. All right, again, comments or questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. I do appreciate them all. If you're on iTunes, please leave us a rating or a review there. And in just a moment, rant time. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869.
young people, and when I mean young people, I mean anybody age 30 and under. Anybody age 30 and under, here's what I want you to do. All right, are you ready for this? Be authentic, be good listeners, and ask good questions. There you go. End of story. Uh, and these are three things that I did not do well at, but uh, in the past month or so, hanging out with some of my daughter's friends around the marching band stuff and listening to uh, teenagers and young college kids talk, I realized that these kids need to just be authentic, be good listeners, and ask good questions. It is so rare. Uh, in some of the conversations, I heard such... <laughs> Discussions that were just so full of shit, I couldn't believe it. It was literally like they were trying to be the, you know, the second graders on the sandbox going, my dad's gun is bigger than your dad's gun, and my dad's going to be, be, beat up your dad, blah, 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 back and forth, with their just outrageous stories. Uh, if you're sitting in a conversation and you have nothing to add to it, don't make something up just so that you feel like you're in it. it. You just sound stupid to those of us that realize, hey, we were there and that sounded stupid. So here's what I want you to do when you're in a situation like that. Be authentic. Tell your real story if you have a chance and if it fits into the conversation. But even more important, be a good listener because there's a lot of information that you might hear that you might learn something with. Even if you're sitting around with a bunch of older folks like, you know, like my age and we're talking about our life history or events or things that we've done or, uh, you know, opinions on stuff, be good listeners. And if you don't understand it, even more importantly, at that point, ask good questions so that you do understand what the discussion is about, because that's how you learn. The best way to learn something is to ask good questions. Don't just pipe in just to pipe in. All right. There you go. Uh, hey, don't forget, if you're coming to the West Coast Pipe Show in uh, Las Vegas, coming up in uh, four weeks now, uh, come by my table. I will have a table there. I'm sharing it with uh, Ryan Alden, the pipe maker. So stop by my table and just tell me that you love the Pipes Magazine radio show, and I'll have a little gift for you. Uh, it would be great to see everybody. Looking forward to that. And remember, next week's show, 100% way pre-recorded because I'll be recording it shortly here. So I get to take two weeks off. I uh, hope everybody is enjoying their fall weather. Get outside, smoke your pipe out in public with the weather being nice. And uh, want to thank Nate for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in. And until next time. When we're together Just sing a song And think about sunny weather show was made available at the same regularly scheduled time, unlike a certain other podcast.